Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez! What a finish! Walcott's going to go through and score! Into the middle, Giroud! It's two! Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 14th of December 2015. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On the podcast today, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain stops by to talk about how versatility has made him into a more complete footballer these days. The former gunner, Danny Carbassian, is our Arsenal insider. And we also go way, way back in this week's history lesson. But let's kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal travelled to Villa Park for the lunchtime kickoff on Sunday with a chance of going top of the Premier League again. And the Gunners didn't have to wait long to go ahead when Olivier Giroud put them in front from the penalty spot on just eight minutes. A couple of goals this season as we watch Walcott come forward on the left-hand side. Still going forwards, he brought down inside the penalty area. The referee says no. Theo Walcott looks at our referee Kevin Friends. What has the referee given here? Has he given a penalty? He has, yeah. I think he has given a penalty. He's thought about it for a second or three. Was that the assistant that has signalled over to the referee here? I think so, but on first viewing it looked a clear-cut penalty because Walker out-muscled Hutton, which is actually no mean feat, raced into the penalty area and it looked like he definitely tugged him back. Uh, Olivier Giroud then on 49 Premier League goals. Can he make it the half-century? He scored, of course, in midweek from the spot to grab his hat-trick against Olympiacos. Can he open the scoring here? for Arsenal against Aston Villa, up against Brad Guzan. It's Olivier Giroud who finds the corner, no mistake whatsoever, and Arsenal lead here by a goal to nil. Theo Walcott dragged to the ground, and the referee thought about it for a second or two before pointing to the spot, and Arsenal take advantage with Olivier Giroud stroking beyond Guzan and the Gunners' lead. That was Giroud's 50th Premier League goal for the Gunners, and it's taken him just 113 games to get there. Only Dennis Bergkamp and Ian Wright have done it faster. Arsenal doubled their lead seven minutes before half-time. Aaron Ramsey this time tapping into an empty net from another Mesut Ozil assist. Gay looks to turn away from Ramsey. Ramsey with a good, strong challenge. Well-timed, and Arsenal is suddenly on the counter. It's towards Walcott on the left. Here is Theo Walcott. Looks to play it through towards Ozil. Ozil, edge of the area. Can he finish? Looks to square it here. Unselfish. Arsenal have got yet another goal, and it's Aaron Ramsey that has fired in. No problem whatsoever on the counter. A simple, simple counter-attacking move. And Aaron Ramsey, having netted against Sunderland late on, this time has scored a little earlier at his Aston Villa nil. Arsenal 2. Aston Villa raised their game in the second period, but the Gunners never really looked in trouble. In his press conference after the match, Arsene Wenger was full of praise for Giroud and his unselfish team play. 
He had a very good performance, I must say, and uh, shown that he's not only a goal scorer again today, but a very good football player as well. And uh, I think he did that very well again. And uh, credit to him, he scored 50 goals now. Peter Cech equaled a clean sheet record. So individually as well, it was a very positive day. Giroud wasn't the only Arsenal player to reach a milestone. Peter Cech equaling David James's all-time Premier League clean sheet record of 169. Theo Walcott talked about what the Czech stopper has brought to the team this year. From when we signed him, we all knew how, how good he was and just what he's achieved for Chelsea and, you know, on a personal level for him. Um, it's great. He's, he's sort of changed us completely in that back four. And uh, he's a talker, he's a, he believes in us all. Uh, that's why he wanted to join us. And um, having someone like that presence behind you, it's always, it's always nice to have that. And uh, he's very commanding. He's a leader in that dressing room as well. Um, he always loves to talk. And, um, yeah, very pleased for him because, uh, like I say, it was, it was important for him to, to get his move and uh, it's definitely paid off now, I think, definitely. The win was the perfect way to head into next Monday's top-of-the-table showdown against Manchester City. We'll be talking about that game with Adrian Clark later, but next we'll speak to a man who made a cameo appearance from the bench on Sunday. That's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's into his fifth season with the Gunners already. Over those five years, he's equipped himself in a number of different positions and he's talked to Arsenal media's Rob Kelly about the benefits of versatility. Alex, you've already played in quite a few positions in this team. How, just how important do you think versatility is for a young player in the sort of general way that football is in terms of squad rotation? Yeah, I mean, I think versatility is obviously a, an extra string to a player's bow. Um, I think in the long run, um, it's probably better to tie yourself down to one position and you know, really become established in one area to to be as good as you can in, in that position. Um, but I mean, all through your career, you know, you look at the likes of Philip Lahm, for example, who's one of the best right backs in the world, but then can go into midfield and, and play as if he's one of the best midfielders in the world. So I think throughout your career, you'll always usually be asked to play slightly different positions here and there. And obviously um, the needs for the team come first. So if you have to fill in at a different role, um, you'll be expected to do that. So that is important, that versatility and being able to play different positions. Um, I think that's definitely important for not just myself, but for any player. And I think if you look at a lot of our midfielders, they're often asked to play um, in different positions. You know, Aaron, Aaron at the moment has been playing out wide and he goes out there and he puts his own spin on playing out wide and he does, he does a good job. You know, over the years, I can remember Thomas Rizicki going and playing out wide as well. So, you know, the boss puts a team together and, you know, he has full faith in whoever he puts out um, can play the position. Maybe they'll play it slightly differently to, to someone else, but um, they'll bring their own spin to the game. So not just for me, I think for everyone it's important to have a slightly versatile side to your game as well. What's your preferred position and do you think you'll have to come to a decision soon about which position you're really going to go for? Um, I'm I'm quite lucky in the fact that I, I enjoy playing um, on the wing and in midfield as well. Um, I think I've become more used to playing in the wing just of purely out of um, the fact that I've played there more than I have in, in centre-mid. Obviously, growing up, I played more central, um, which is why whenever I do get asked to go back in there, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, I think there's times in the game as well when, you know, as as a team, the way we play, I might be on the wing, but for for a ten minute period, I might end up playing in midfield, and I'm you know just feel just at home going in there and being able to adapt. So I'm I'm not really sure 
personally uh, where I prefer to play. Um, sometimes in midfield it's nice because you do get a little bit more of the ball and maybe out wide you rely on people to get you the ball. But obviously when you're out wide you have the licence to um, you know, maybe attack a bit more and, and run at people, which is a strong part of my game. So I'm happy to, to play in both positions. Uh, maybe eventually you know, in the next few years I might have to tie myself down to one and, and try and try and become as good as I can in that position. But you know, who knows what the future holds and I'm happy to play both. The Ox is now back to full fitness and he's ready to play a big part in the Gunners' festive period. And with Alexis missing, he could give Arsenal that injection of pace that'll be missing with the Chilean's absence. So the Ox is very much a part of Arsenal's future. But now let's delve into the past with a history lesson. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George who can hit him. It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 14th of December 1935, Ted Drake scored a club record and top flight record seven goals in a single match. That was as the Gunners beat Aston Villa 7-1 at Villa Park in the old First Division. Here's some news footage from that historic day. Drake kicks off for Arsenal in the league match against Villa wearing white shorts. Villa have brought in so much new talent that they are known as the Bank of England team, but they have yet to prove their sterling worth. Arsenal goes quickly ahead thanks to their centre-forward Drake, who has apparently decided to win the match on his own. Continuing his display of brilliant opportunism, he plays ducks and drakes with the Villa defence. Villa's expensive experts are unavailing, and Drake scores at regular intervals, getting two more in the first half. To Villa's one, he gets seven, equaling the league record of 47 years standing. Ted joined the Gunners in March 1934 and scored 42 goals in 41 games as the Gunners retained the First Division title in the 1934-35 season. Here's Arsenal historian Ian Cook to tell us more about Drake's Arsenal career. Well, certainly Drake was a, a classical English old-style centre-forward. Don't really have any anymore. Probably Shearer was about the last one to fit into that kind of particular style. Uh, he joined us from Southampton. Uh, Herbert Chapman was looking at him, um, but sadly he died before he could uh, tie up the transfer. I think Ted actually turned down one transfer request that we made to Southampton. Um, but we eventually picked him up uh, a few months after Chapman's death. George Allison, who'd taken over as manager, I think was involved. And uh, there was another guy, caretaker at the time. So uh, he eventually joined us uh, in April that year for the huge sum in those days of £5,000. And uh, yeah, I mean, he was the outstanding kind of striker of that particular era. Ted was st still alive when we opened the original museum at Highbury, uh, which was I think about 1993-94, and told a wonderful story that he'd actually scored an eighth goal that day. I think it was after he scored the seventh, but I'm not exactly sure of uh, the chronological order of it. But um, it was, as he called it at the time, a Jeff Hurst goal, which meant it hit the bar, bounced in then bounced out again, the kind of thing now with goal line technology, which obviously would be seen quite clearly, but in those days wasn't. And um, he ran to the referee saying, ref, that was in. 
and the referee just turned around and said, come on, Ted, you've got seven already, don't be greedy. And he said, oh, OK, that's fair enough, and just walked away. Drake scored 139 goals in 184 games in total for Arsenal in a five-year period, winning two First Division championships and an FA Cup. He's the Gunners' fifth all-time record goalscorer and had it not been for the Second World War, many believe he could have been the club's greatest marksman of all time. We'll have another history lesson next week, and now it's time to talk to our Arsenal insider. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Our Arsenal insider this week is the former Gunners defender, Danny Carbassian, who joins us now. Danny, thanks for coming on the line. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine, thanks. Thank, thank you guys for having me. Now, of course, as many of our listeners to the Arsenal Weekly podcast will know, your story of how you came to Arsenal from amateur football in the USA is a, a pretty fascinating one, isn't it, back in the early to mid-2000s? Yeah, it was uh, super interesting. It was very out of the blue as well. Um, you know, very not traditionally like most, I guess. Uh, transfers and whatnot, and I, uh, I, I left. The, I grew up playing soccer in the states. Obviously, Steve Rowley saw me as a 17-year-old uh, at a camp and, and brought me over on trial. I did well enough to uh, earn a contract. They let me finish my senior year in high school, and then I ended up basically signing for you know for Arsenal. And I suppose most kids would have been going to college, so it was a uh, it was a nice nice surprise and something that certainly changed my life. Yeah, massively so. And you featured quite heavily in one of Arsenal's League Cup runs, didn't you? And, and got some good game time there, including, funnily enough, playing Manchester City and scoring a 90th-minute winner. Hopefully the boys can do something similar in the league next Monday. Absolutely, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I only got to play three games in the first team, but I, I look back on all those as, as super fond memories. That, uh, you know, City away on my debut when I scored, uh, Everton at home, you know, at Highbury, which was all kind of a dream of mine to get to play at Highbury and then, uh, United at Old Trafford as well. So there was three pretty awesome games to, to play in. Yeah, if you're going to pick three, that's probably three of maybe about <laughs> four you could want. Maybe Spurs would be the other, wouldn't it? And I'm yeah, right in exactly. saying you had a bit of knee trouble, didn't you, which kind of unfortunately brought a, a very early end to your career. I did, yeah. I um, Based on like my last game at Arsenal, actually, in the reserves, um, I got, it was against Southampton, I got tackled quite badly. And uh, I'd already had, actually, uh, two previous knee surgeries and my knee kind of went again. I had another surgery. I actually left and signed for Burnley right after that. Um, spent about a year and a half there, but my knee just kind of continued breaking down. And uh, Eventually, a doctor said, you know, if you want to be able to walk when you're older, then you should probably hang up your boots. And I was just 22 at the point. So, uh, yeah, it was, a bit, it was a bit tough to take, but once again, Steve Rowley called and uh, kind of changed the course of my life again and asked me to become a scout. So, it, it all ended up working out in the end. And if you can just tell us a bit more then about that, Danny, because that's something you've been doing for a good number of years for the club, isn't it? Chiefly out in America, but funny enough, you're actually back over here in the UK doing it at the moment. Yeah, and uh, I started basically when I was, as I said, I was, I was 22 when I stopped playing. Uh, I took about six months after I was done to try to get, uh, I was actually trying. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I get fit enough to play in MLS and spent six or seven months rehabbing, and it just didn't get any better. Um, Steve Steve called and uh, let me know that uh, him and him and the boss and, and Dick Law had all kind of discussed um, having me as a scout in, in that region in North America, basically, and, and if I was interested in it. And you know, as a 23 year old who had just finished playing, of course, it was a, a super interesting proposal. So um, I took it up, and it, yeah, it's been an, it's been awesome. I'm 31 now, so. Uh, now that I think about it, it's, a, it's been a long time, but uh, it's been it's been awesome staying, you know, staying in touch with the game, staying in touch with, um, you know, still being a part of the club that I love, and uh, kind of getting to do this. I know uh, we traveling can't. And, absolutely. No, I know we can't ask you to divulge too much of some of the scouting sort of techniques and methodology of Arsenal, but one thing I think we can establish is that you've played a big role in, in Joel Campbell being at the club, and we're seeing a lot of him now at first team level. Yeah, it's, it's finally great to see. You know, a lot of a lot of the scouts, unfortunately, very rarely get to see the first year of labor, and uh, uh, especially the club like Arsenal, where it is the, the standards so high that uh, finding players that not only, especially in my region, not only had the ability to get a you know a passport to actually come play in England, but are also good enough was uh, two two of the big big challenges. And um, you know, Joel obviously had to go out on loan for several years before he could actually get a work permit. Uh, finally got the work permit, came back last season, probably didn't have, you know, the best of, for, you know, for him, the best of starts of the club. And over the past couple of weeks has uh, shown just how kind of vital of a, t- a member of the team he can be. And it's, uh, it's been very, you know, it's been rewarding both, both as an Arsenal fan, but also, you know, for the part that I you know, took in it, uh, to bring him over and seeing, you know, seeing the player that I thought was good enough as a 19-year-old actually kind of blossom and develop into a player that was good enough to play for Arsenal. And Danny, where and how did you actually spot Joel in the first place? Yeah, Joel was uh, 18, 19, playing the under uh, for the under 20 Costa Rican team. I actually saw him uh, for the first time in, in Guatemala at the under 20 World Cup qualifiers. Um, he did really well there, and uh, it was the summer of like it was the Gold Cup. There was Copa America, and um, and then the, the under 20 World Cup ultimately was I think the last was the last event that he would have played in that summer. But uh, it gave me a good opportunity to see him and. Uh, a bunch of different kind of settings as well as levels, whether it be the uh, after the under twenties, he got called into the you know obviously got called into the first team for for Costa Rica, um, and he continued to do well, and then and then eventually we we pulled the trigger and, and got a signature. And a player that we are just seeing kind of easing his way into the first team picture now is is Gideon Zalalem, who is another guy that of course you've helped to spot. 
Yeah, and you know, Gideon and Joel couldn't have been more kind of different situations. Gideon, obviously, just to see um, playing playing football in the U.S. and you know, in a travel in a travel team like an academy, basically. Whereas Joel was, uh, you know, had already signed professional terms with Saprissa. Uh, but yeah, Gideon has been another one. He he certainly with with Gideon, it was a much uh, I was much more I suppose involved with the with the player and the family just because. Uh, of the situation, Joel being in Costa Rica, Gideon was actually uh, about, he lived about 10 minutes away from where I lived in Washington, D.C. So uh, <laughs> it was a very, uh, you know, I, I've, I've flown a lot of miles and stayed in a lot of hotels and been in a lot of rental cars and uh, to, to find Gideon so close was uh, kind of ironic and hilarious, actually. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, it was great to see him once again. He was 13 the first time I actually saw him and you know the process to get him over was was much more longer and drawn out because of age and um and 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 making sure that he had all of his paperwork in line and everything as well but uh it's been great to see him go firstly make you know make his debut for the club getting the going all the uh the preseason stuff for the club and then and then now actually you know being at Rangers and getting to play regularly and getting a lot of first-team action. It's great to see. No, it bodes very well for the future. Fingers crossed for both of those players. And hopefully you'll unearth us a few more in the uh, months and years to come. Um, so, Danny, let's just finish with a couple of broader questions about the club. And you're over here at the moment, as I mentioned. So, have you had the chance to see a few live Arsenal games? I have, yeah. I went to, um, I guess, got to see us play Olympiacos at home and uh, Bayern Munich at home as well. And uh, it's been it's been nice. I've been up to the club as well a couple times and, and seen everybody. So it's uh, it's it's definitely it's it's. I mean, certainly you know top of the table right now as as before, you know as of recording. So it, it's been a great season uh, to be here and kind of be a part of it. Also, I'm looking forward to it. And what do we think Arsenal could hopefully achieve come May? I mean, I you know I say this every year, but I think we could certainly win the title. Uh, it's a uh, We've got a very, very good set of players at the moment, and, and they continue to, and they continue to impress week in, week out. And even when things are, um, you know, kind of going difficultly with injuries and whatnot, we still have um, a set of players that comes in and gets the job done. So I think it's a, it's a strong group of guys we have now, and um, they're also playing very enjoyable football to watch on the eyes. So, which is obviously as an Arsenal fan and as an Arsenal employee, it's always uh, fun to see. Yeah, and as an open league this year as well, just finally, of all the years for Arsenal to be there or thereabouts, that's an extra sort of incentive potentially and maybe an, an extra chance to win back that title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been, you know, with Leicester doing so well, it's been it's just been crazy just seeing, you know, each 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 weekend you check out the results and you see that the result seems to be like one or two shocks that happen, whether at the top of the table or at the bottom of the table and uh it's uh, it's been it's been certainly interesting, and it, it doesn't seem as if uh, any team has really you know kind of grabbed it and just ran on it. And at the top, there's been kind of a mix, a mix at the top. So I think it it definitely makes it more of an interesting year, and I'm I'm glad to see us kind of hitting a nice little bit of form as well. So. Great to get the thoughts there of the former Arsenal defender and, of course, Arsenal scout Danny Carbassian here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Top stuff, my friend. Really good to have you on. Yeah, thank you guys very much. Our very own tactical genius Adrian Clark joins us on the show now to look ahead to the big game next Monday night as Arsenal face fellow Premier League title hopefuls Manchester City. Adrian, we'll get to that key news in a moment, but <laughs> equally key in my view is your quite amazing Arsenal-themed 
Christmas jumper that you're wearing. I yeah. love it. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, I should be wearing it constantly between now and the big day itself. So basically, obviously being radio, and it's probably not the easiest thing to uh, describe, but you've got red and white Arsenal-themed scarf on your snowman with the snow pouring down. It's yeah. got the works, basically. These things do not happen by accident. Anyone who watches this week's breakdown will see it in its full glory. I think that is a <laughs> challenge that all should take up. Great work. So, that aside, yes. the matter of Manchester City in town next up, and mm. what a massive, massive game. It is huge, isn't it? And, and it's always a good game between Arsenal and Manchester City. Um, they used to come to Emirates Stadium with defence in mind under Mancini, but, but since Pellegrini's taken over, home and away, they try and win their matches. So, with Arsenal, that's always the case anyway. So, I expect it to be a real cracker. And there is so much at stake, isn't there? We, we know that Leicester City are in the mix at the moment, but the front-runners, in truth, are Arsenal and Manchester City. So, this is a pivotal match. And you look at City's form over the season, Adrian, at times a bit like Arsenal, it's had the odd patchy moment to it, whereas the Gunners seem to be very much on the up. City is still having the odd iffy display at the moment, they, aren't they? They are. I haven't been hugely impressed by City, I've got to say. I think that, that they will always throw in the occasional non-performance. And, and, and Arsenal, some people might say that about Arsenal, but I think that their consistency levels have improved a lot, actually, in the last couple of years. As for City... I just think without the ball, they have problems that, that haven't been fully addressed by Pellegrini and by the players involved. Uh, and when certain players are absent, they just aren't the same team. Yeah, absolutely. And there will be one or two big injury questions for them. And for me, over the course of, of this campaign, and arguably before as well, if one or two of their big hitters aren't around, those that come in aren't necessarily always still quite of the same quality, which, given how much money they've spent over time, still surprises me. I think it's amazing, yeah. They've spent a lot of money on two centre-backs, haven't they, in Otamendi and Mangala. And both of them have really struggled, I feel. And neither can be the lead centre-half very confidently, no, can they? No, I th I, you know, I look, at, I look at some of their performances and they're riddled with mistakes. And when you spend upwards of £30 million on a, on a centre-back, you expect them to, to be a little bit better than that. They've had their time to settle in now, but in my view, they, they haven't quite met the standards I think Pellegrini expected. In terms of strengths of Manchester City, obviously, their kind of trio behind the front man is always impressive. We know that. And for me, Joe Hart, good form at the moment, some wonderful saves to help them just about eke out a win last weekend. They rely on Joe Hart, they really do. Because their defence isn't fantastic, he's having another tremendous season. And unfortunately for Arsenal, he often has a good game and he's played well at Emirates Stadium in the past. So let's hope from an Arsenal perspective that doesn't happen this weekend. But yeah, it's, it's that, that, that trio of attacking midfielders. They could line up in any kind of formation as well. That's what makes them so hard to plan for. Who will play in behind the front man? Who will play left and right? All of them really want to play at number 10. But in my view, I guess Silva is the main man. But De Bruyne and Sterling probably... Would, if you ask them, would say, yeah, that's my best position too. Absolutely. No, it's going to be very interesting to see. So, our traditional little run of questions mm. now, as we do every week against the opponents in question, where do you think Arsenal can hurt Manchester City? Well, we can hurt Manchester City by getting at the centre-backs, clearly. That, that, is, that is the weakness. I'm hearing that Vincent Company won't be rushed back for this game. He's got a calf problem. He's been out for a month. He might be back in training ahead of kickoff. But the expectation is that he, he will be absent, in which case Arsenal really do need to test the mobility of those two centre-halves. They, they've struggled 
with, with longer balls over the top. So, that, so I'm looking at the likes of Theo Walcott or even Alexis if he returns from injury to really get at those two guys. And Bakary Sanya, I know he's a favourite or a former favourite in these parts, but he hasn't looked too great in recent away outings either. So, so that's, a, that's an issue we can really, um, really hurt them with. And is it that sort of mobile marauding trio that is the area that could hurt Arsenal, do you think? Or Yes, of course, that's the obvious one. But the rumours are that Sergio Aguero will be back in this game. And, and that's the big concern because you can be sure that Sergio Aguero, if he is fit to play, will plant himself on Pierre Mertesacker and look to make runs in and around him all of the time. So it's vital, I think, that the, that the right back, which we probably be Hector Bellerin, tucks in and doesn't leave big spaces because if he does, Aguero against Mertesacker in a 1v1 is a really difficult one. And it's also important, of course, for Matthew Flamley to just screen the area in front of City's front man because he is the obvious threat. And Aguero's record returning from injury is pretty much to always score. Yeah, he's, he's not goal. the type of player that <laughs> needs a lot of games to, to hit, hit top gear, is he? Um, key battle area, head-to-head fight. I think Aaron Ramsey is, is a big player in this game. And I'm looking at the two driving box-to-box central midfielders, Aaron Ramsey and Yaya Toure, who is going to win that engine room battle. On current form, I've got to say, Aaron Ramsey will win it hands down, I think, defensively and as an attacking force. He's on fire. Yaya Toure, he's a bit hit or miss, and he has been for a few seasons now. The issue, if I was a City fan, is without the ball, does he want to get back? Will he want to track those lung-busting Aaron Ramsey runs? I suspect he won't. Mm -hmm. Give him some Christmas cake, maybe. (laughs) Who knows if he might be motivated. Um, In a sentence, then, Aid, how do you beat Man City? In a sentence, we we beat Man City, I think, by following the template we used against Manchester United. Get at them, make life as uncomfortable as City as we possibly... as uncomfortable for City as we possibly can right from the kickoff. Do not let this team settle. You'll be able to see Adrian Clark and his quite sensational Arsenal-themed Christmas jumper on the breakdown. And don't forget, of course, the Match Day show is back next Monday from 7.15pm UK time. Log on to arsenal.com and the Arsenal mobile app for all the build-up and then uninterrupted audio commentary of the big game. Adrian, thanks a lot, mate. Yeah, top man, Russ. I'll see you soon. So that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, to Danny Carbassian and to Adrian Clark for stopping by today. You can tweet your questions to the podcast by using the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. Remember, if you've not already hit the subscribe button on iTunes, do so and you'll never miss another episode. We're back on Tuesday the 22nd of December with all the reaction to that Monday clash against Manchester City. And until then, it's bye for now and come on, you gunners. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 